Hi everyone welcome to another episode of the United Way podcast The United Way is a by the fans for the fans podcast covering Manchester United Once a month the podcast talks about all things Manchester United In the latest episode we discuss the reasons behind United's recent struggles in the league also our problems with our defense and especially set pieces We give our opinions on where we stand on the Henderson versus Dagaya debate and we look forward to the upcoming crucial cup ties this week also one of us had some really non consensus views on fred and maguire which was a little bit of fun so hope you guys enjoy this episode and please do leave your feedback with us on our social media platforms or you can write to us at the united way podcast at gmail.com the description for all this is available in the podcast details so i have my friends uh, anirudh and rushab with me today uh, hi guys how are you hey pranav uh, all great haven't been better to be honest since uh, jabbing that i witnessed so i guess we should all oh, yeah. congratulate each other that we have survived that uh, crystal palace game we are you know, <laughs> still in our senses after that <laughs> that is true I think it was uh, boredom. I don't know. I, I remember talking to both of you all. I remember both of you all also missed the second half as well as I. So the common consensus that it wasn't up there with United's great matches. Yeah, I guess yeah, you I were lucky I mean, enough to fall asleep midway through the match. Yeah, yeah, completely. I was so bored. I, I mean, I was bored out of my mind. So I think uh, I decided I needed to take a nap. It's not worth uh, staying up and watching this drab performance. right so yes you know when we last recorded our podcast so the title of the podcast was still alive in the title race but just about and i guess it's fair to say that uh, we are no longer alive in the title race i mean it all disappeared very quickly to be honest uh, very costly draws against teams like everton west brom crystal palace as uh, probably put an end to whatever little hopes that we had of giving a fight to man city and obviously they have been very brilliant uh, up to the derby uh, but yeah we are still second uh, and still alive in couple of cup competitions but it's fair to say that we have kind of faltered in the league so i don't know what went wrong guys i'm still scratching my head about it well i if you honestly ask me i think uh, this cautious approach of having this double pivot of mcdominay and fred is partly to contribute i think we are creating very few chances in the final third decision making in the final third has not been great and i think a classic example of that would be uh, i think chelsea game last minute scott mcdominay i think uh, had a golden chance to just he just had to put the ball in the right place and had to do it just 3 seconds earlier and you never know like you know one of our attackers could have been through and that would have been our golden chance but uh, again for me i think the overall gameplay has not been overall gameplay has not been something to write home about i mean the palace game palace game west bromwich game i think both were shockers for me i think the fact that we managed to get away with a draw we should consider ourselves uh, lucky 
overall i'll say it's just just the in- inconsistent nature of this manchester united team right now which is uh, why it deserves to be where it is but uh, it's just barely kept itself alive even in the cup competitions like the europa league game against ac milan i think i was tearing my hair apart uh, looking at the first half performance and second half also i was absolutely baffled after the substitutions which ole made so i think again we got what we deserved but we are hanging on hanging by the thread let's see how it goes rushab uh to be honest i i think it's the law of equilibrium catching up i think we were outdoing ourselves i don't think we are good enough to be i think challenging for the title uh i think uh, we are still in that dip of form haven't recovered since that uh, loss against draw with liverpool on in mid january i don't think we've been really recovered and i think it was a matter of time before we imploded injuries haven't done us favors though we signed uh, salani has been out injured and they be completely unused and now injured so doesn't really help our cause uh anna i don't agree with the mix red uh, aggregation but we'll come back to that later uh decision making has always been one of our flaws i believe it's young team uh, i guess we'll it's a time question of maturity so i would consider a top 3 spot uh, a good outcome i was never looking i was never hopeful about winning the title per se but i think a top 3 spot cemented in the next one month should be a good season for us but yeah yeah i mean about that mcfred thing uh, i don't think the problems that we had in the last month or so is because we have been over cautious i think just one game the most recent one one against ac milan is where i would say ole really went cautious with his substitution changed his uh, you know style uh, from four at the back to five at the back and that did cost us a win in that game but other than that i think there are few factors like no let's not uh, discount how difficult the schedule has been for any everybody we've seen all teams except man city struggle with it and that obviously has had an impact and the decision making like you rightly pointed out about mctominay against the against chelsea so except the man city game in the other games against the big six our decision making has been really poor this season so it's a bit of a myth that uh, no and that's probably because of the series of nil nil draws that we've had that ole has been very uh, you know cautious and especially the blame always comes on mcfred uh, you know with his tactics and all but it's more about uh, two things uh, making the right decisions in the final third and marcus rashford especially has uh, you know had two or three big moments in each of these games where he definitely should have done better with his You know the final pass or the shot, and obviously the finishing also has not been up to scratch. That would be, I guess, those are again like Rushab said, maybe symptomatic of the young team that we have. But uh, uh, you know those things are much more relevant, I guess, other than you know more than the tactics. Uh, yeah. So I think so. Uh, since a while, I. kind of now convinced about ole's tactics to a certain extent i really wasn't someone who bought into it up until 
say October, November last year, but I think I'm buying into it. I think I see some sort of a pattern after a really long time. Uh, there is an incredibly intelligent press uh, figure in place on how we isolate the opposition defenses, which is, I think, one of the rare things to see. Apart from Brendan, I don't see any other teams, uh, Brendan, Leicester, any other teams employing this. Uh, I think I'm coming good. I think our coaching staff is also now quite on point. We have a good structure in place as well. I think tactically, I don't really question Ole's uh, credentials that much anymore, I would say. I think it just comes down to experience. Sometimes you just give in under pressure or you just maybe become too cautious or maybe too uh, gutsy in the case of Fred staying on beyond 45 minutes against PSG. I think that will, I think, it's a question of time and also depends on how quick he learns, I think. And you can see that, uh, you know, he has a vision for the team. Uh, no, probably he was let down in the summer in terms of getting some more quality in the team. And uh, obviously, some things are not in his hand. But uh, with a right winger, with a better central defensive midfielder and with a probably a better centre-back, uh, uh, I'm sure we won't be complaining too much about his tactics, uh, hopefully in the next season. I beg to differ a little over here. I think Man City have been operating practically without a striker. Pep Guardiola has been constantly playing with the false nine. And look at the output that he has uh, achieved with the likes of uh, Gundogan, with the likes of Mares. Mares has been in phenomenal form. And if you see, if you see our uh, attacking numbers, I mean. Apart from Bruno Fernandes and uh, Marcus Rashford, I have not seen really the goals being distributed amongst the other attackers. Martial has been in shocking form this season. Uh, Kamani has not been consistent enough to stay fit. And uh, so, the owner, I think the problem is the onus is lying completely on uh, Rashford and uh, Bruno Fernandes. And I think... Uh, I think we need we need the others to start contributing. And I think uh, another thing which I felt throughout the season, I mean again the numbers can prove me wrong, is I think we are very uh, I mean we are very one-dimensional in terms of uh, where our attacks are coming from. We know that uh, when uh, if, if, as an opposition you'd know that if you're playing against United, majority of the attacking output is going to come from the left-hand side with Luke Shaw, Marcus Rashford. And we've seen Bruno Fernandes most most of the season also veering towards the left. Maybe in recent games he's been trying to uh, kind of just move more central or trying to move more towards the right. And if you see, majority of our attacking threat has come from the left hand side. So for me, that makes our attack a little lopsided. Shut that side out for uh, uh, United as an opposition, and you can see us struggling. Yeah, I think so, uh, the Pogba injury has definitely not helped in that. Because uh, you have, you know, the two uh, main creative guys in our team are Bruno and Pogba. And if one of them is not there, then the, you know, the responsibility on Bruno obviously increases. And especially because Pogba was in such a good form, you know, after, uh, after I guess, the Leipzig game. Till the time he got injured, he was probably our best player, even better than Bruno. And Bruno... Uh, no, understandably, but I think he has tailed off a bit this month. Though his numbers continue to be like fantastic, but uh, maybe the fatigue, maybe the mental pressure of you know dragging a club the size of United for more than twelve months is 
kind of getting to him a little bit uh, but there is like no space in the calendar to give him a rest so i don't know i guess that uh, sociedad game the second leg i was like literally shocked to see him in the starting lineup yeah, so, i was calling as a what are you doing okay. it seems to be a case with, i think it's a case with uh, solshar i think i was just looking at appearances players by Maguire 28, Bruno 28, Marcus Rashford 28, uh, Bisaka 26. These are positions ideally that we do have uh, options for, which uh, categorically being only given to the same players throughout. I think it's going to get to them at some point. Yeah, I just uh, you know read a joke that Harry Maguire plays all the under 23 games also probably. So. I don't know. Yeah, there are some players that he always wants in the team, but uh, he probably needs to rotate a bit better. But you know, that's a separate uh, subject altogether. I guess. Uh, like I always tell Anirudh, we have made most of the 80 million plus that we paid for Maguire, <laughs> just by the appearances. <laughs> just by he's broken record apparently he started the most number of he played the most number of minutes in Europe or something of no no not just in Europe in the world in the entire world <laughs> in the calendar year 2020 he played the most minutes uh, I mean, and is, uh, no there were three united players in the top 10 like other other two were Lindelof and uh, Bruno and I go I was a bit surprised that Lindelof is in there. I mean, probably it's showing up in our defensive numbers this season. Yeah, and uh, again, and another problem which I've kind of uh, seen in the last one month is uh, again our problem with defending set piece situations. I think uh, if you look at our goal that uh, we conceded against Everton in that last that last action, last piece of action, I think shocking piece of defending. and even the goal against ac milan in the last minute i mean it just beats me it just beats me how when we have people like harry maguire we have scott mctominay in our team we have the likes of nemanja matic also who was incidentally i think in that everton game and in ac milan game he was thrown on to be like you know shielding the goal and uh, shielding the lead protecting the lead that we have with such tall guys in the box how are we even conceding those goals it's something that is beyond me we had this problem towards the end of project restart also i clearly remember the southampton game where we conceded the goal in the last minute and uh, here's here's an interesting statistic for you uh, too so up until now uh, at this point of the season uh, we've conceded 31% of our goals to set pieces do you remember the city game two goals to set pieces yeah yeah, yeah. so i mean what is it with set piece defending uh, that is just not clicking that is just not uh, working for united and on the contrary one of the bonuses and one of the plus points of having people like harry maguire was not only will they be able to deal with these uh, threats and uh, these dangerous sexy situations they'll be also be able to provide us with some attacking output 
when it comes to uh, set-piece situations, which has clearly not happened in the case of Harry Maguire. I mean, we saw the shocker, the sitter that he missed against AC Milan. I mean, I'm sure me and Rusha would have put it in. Hey, that wasn't with his head to... No, but, point no, but again, like, you know, it was a set-piece situation. It was a set-piece situation. I mean, that, those, those are unpardonable misses. And we've had a few of those. We've had the Martial shocker against PSG, which I think cost us the uh, progression to the next uh, next round. And uh, the one which Harry Maguire and also Dan James missed in the AC Milan game. I mean, that could come back to bite us again. I don't know if that. I believe that's the case with every opportunity, goal-scoring opportunity that comes by, right? Most of them, at least. So I, I don't know. I wouldn't say we're terribly bad at set pieces. I agree. It's this season's been off. I think last season you could say we were phenomenal at set pieces. We have one of the best records in the league. But I think it's communication. I think that's why we've all started kind of favoring Dean Anderson in place because you want a commanding goalkeeper. But I don't know, maybe some better defensive coaching, perhaps. Offensively, we look good. We look sharp. We look like we know what we're doing. There is always somebody popping in at the near post. We look like we have a plan. Defensively, we look a bit clueless. The combination of zonal and man marking is something that is proving to be a bit costly. So, again, my question to both of you, Pranav, uh, and Pranav, first, I'd like your uh, views on this. Uh, I mean, we've been we've been through the era of Jose Marino where I think it was zonal defending, and uh, we're seeing more or less zonal defending here also. But with the kind of uh, heighted players that we have in Maguire, Matic, McTominay, and I mean the likes of Cavani, Martial also. I mean, like they're pretty, they have pretty decent height. Pogba. Don't you think like you know man marking would make a lot more sense? Like stick stick to your player because. What we are seeing as a pattern is we just seem to let the opposition player just take a run at us. And like we completely miss marking the player. So we're not able to defend the zone. But uh, I don't know. I mean, probably most of the teams have now moved to a zonal marking system. Uh, help me out, guys. I don't know. I, I can't think of any uh, any team which... Does you know this man-to-man marking system on corners? Am I missing out on any team? I can't think of anybody. Nusha, I I think it is a system that you no know, a lot of teams have moved to. More than the system, it's always about the execution, right? So you, it's more about more than the debate of zonal versus man marking. It's how you defend. Any system, and we've we've seen time and again that we kind of do switch off at uh, crucial moments. Uh, I think in the last podcast we spoke at length about uh, Van Bissaka's defensive problems and his uh, tendency to uh, switch off when there is people running behind him. Similarly, with Maguire and Lindelof, you do get these moments. Uh, especially on set pieces where there is some lack of communication and uh, Luke Shaw has improved a lot but even he is sometimes still prone to these uh, you know defensive lapses so I won't focus too much on this uh, zonal versus man marking thing I think it's got more to do with the individuals and 
was reading a you know, very interesting analysis that it's not that we have bad defenders we have good defenders with very specific flaws the problem is that say for example when you uh, you know pair a maguire and a lindelof together both are good defenders you know uh, individually but when you pair them together you know their uh, weak you know their weaknesses are very similar so they are not very they are not a very complementary team in that sense but if you pair a bai and a maguire together then maguire's you know lack of pace is made up by the lightning quick pace of eric bai maguire can be the you know cool calm head if bai you know whenever he tends to do something rash so that's a much more complementary thing but somehow ole has this fixation of you know playing uh, lindelof and maguire in almost every game and i think a large part of it is down to the fitness levels of both the guys he knows that he can count of count on them for uh, you know most of the games and obviously that's also a big factor in any manager's mind by till so now yeah yeah go ahead so what you were saying about the communication bit uh, i think i agree i think communication along with decision making is one of the few fundamental flaws which are not necessarily technical but clearly uh, Uh, affect the outcome of any match. Uh, I don't know if you guys read it, but I didn't really give it in much weight up until our discussion right now. Uh, I read that Maguire was looking for an English-speaking or English centre-back pairing uh, because it would be easier to communicate with them in their first language, and they'd be accustomed to how English football is played. So maybe it's the fact that there is not enough clear communication. Because, like like you said, it doesn't matter zone or man marking, but uh they say that when it's a mix of both you need communication to be even more clear and uh, precise uh, as against when it is man marking where everybody knows what each person has to do individually doesn't matter what the other person is up to so i think communication might be i think they must be hit the nail on the head that communication is a big problem the fact is yeah and- no, so yeah 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 my sister just said again uh, a team which i see see when you're defending zonally uh the thing the thing which is important is you never let your runner get past you get ahead of you now if you if you've noticed some of the goals that we've conceded the the recent one the ac milan one i mean there's no way in this world frank kessie has to uh, get ahead of scott mcdonald i think that's an in, in the first place i think that's an absolute mismatch like uh, uh, look at the build and the robustness with which uh, McTominay can deal with Kessie. There's no way Kessie is going to get ahead of uh, McTominay. So, really McTominay has just... Sorry, I thought it was Matic is undoing in that case. No, That's if you if you if you, if you observe the clips very carefully, McTominay has just uh, uh, stood still there. He's let his he's he's let his runner just go, uh, get ahead of him, and then like we we we've been left uh, to hang out dry. and of course henderson could have also done a better job of uh, defending that set piece i mean i felt he could have done a better job but i think at the primary level mcdominay let his runner get ahead of him and uh, if you look at look back at the some of our earlier clips also of the goals that we've conceded i think that has always been the case we've let the i mean we cannot be let i mean even if you're defending zonally the one thing that you ensure is you do not let your uh runner get past you get ahead of you if he kind of jumps 
and if he has met the ball before you you'd still you'd still understand that i think that's that's an offense i would still be uh, partial towards i'll be okay with it but like uh, letting the runner get past you it's i think it's criminal as, as a defensive unit i think that's criminal see i think the bottom line is we as a team are somebody who should focus on our attack uh, you know we are not a marino team while we were you know, we'll keep a clean sheet and hopefully pinch one or two goals it's about having the confidence that we can outscore almost any opposition in any game okay and i think ole has also realized that and in most of the games which is why uh, you know we have this uh, uh, no we have been pretty positive even in the big games you know which have ended ended up nil nil uh, we have we did have positive intent so as long as we focus on that i think uh, most of the games and uh, i think that's what has played out this season right we are second in the league for a reason we i think very till very recently we were the top scorers in the league i think city are marginally ahead of us now and uh, which is natural i mean we are at a level which is much below city today but we are the second best team in the league because of our attack and beyond a point i guess it's not uh, worth too much uh, uh, focusing on the defense yes if we want to make that leap next season and be a serious contender for the title then yes defense has to shape up but how where do you guys stand on this henderson versus dagaya debate the last i'd like to uh, end the last topic and the note that Ferguson quoting Ferguson saying attack wins you matches and defense wins you titles true that's true so okay on uh, dahia and henderson i don't know i'm starting to like henderson a little i think he's he's a good pair of hands i don't know how many points he's going to save us because uh, with the brilliant saves that davidea was making he would save us a lot of points but till he starts making a series of errors i'd like to see henderson in place oh. uh, i don't expect the extraordinary from him but if he keeps doing the ordinary very very consistently i wouldn't mind the change distribution wise as well my take over here is i think we put ourselves we put ourselves in a bit of a mess with the the uh, david degay situation i think we handed him a bumper contract he's on massive wages he's supposed to be with us uh, for another 3 years if i'm not wrong after the season yes i think even if we want to even if we want to offload him who's going to buy him in this economic environment in this uh, situation so i think uh, i think uh, irrespective of what we think what's going to happen is when if and when dagaya is available and fit dagaya is going to start Henderson is still going to be in the periphery, which uh, I, I I do believe genuinely that he is going to be our future number one, provided he is a bit patient. No, but he is not going to be patient. Now. And if you think from his angle, why should he be patient? He's already had two full seasons, one in the Championship and one in the Premier League, where he's proven his uh, uh, I won't say ability, say let's say potential. Everybody knows the potential that he has, and if it is not going to happen. for him at united after one season uh, i don't see him like sticking around in the summer unless he's given some assurances or from now to the till the end of the season give him a extended run of games uh, 
obviously he'll start all the europa league games hopefully much more left now <laughs> rather than just the one that's uh, coming up and uh, probably more more in the fa cup also and but i think till the time he doesn't get an extended run in the league we won't know you uh, i remember when ben foster was coming through uh, people were so excited about him and for the right reasons i mean he was he had a lot of talent but he no he couldn't adjust to united the demands of being a united keeper where you know, even one small mistake uh, is going to be scrutinized very heavily so i don't think henderson falls in that category but we won't know till the time he is given an extended run like every time he makes a small mistake like the one against ac milan if we keep comparing him to a peak david dagaya then probably it's not going to do any of us any good and like let's assess our options right for two years now uh, i would say dagaya has been an average goalkeeper and that's uh, you know backed up by all the statistics you know in terms of short saving percentage and errors leading to goals and all the usual things that we see for goalkeepers he's been bang average in the league people like henderson nick pope uh now emi martinez at uh, villa all of these guys have much better stats than dagaya so it's it's not as if like we are taking a big risk in playing henderson and uh, now somehow i saw it with petr check also after i mean a very unfortunate injury but he was never never the same after that injury once you know these goalkeepers lose their edge somehow i, I don't know what's the science behind it but somehow they find it very difficult to get back to their previous levels because yeah, it's more of a the goalkeeping job is something that's got more to do you know with your concentration levels your reflexes your eyesight all those things so probably if you lose it uh, haven't seen you no know, players recovering so i am all for uh, giving henderson an extended run and if it doesn't happen then i think we have a problem in the summer So my other thing is about this Henderson versus David Deya debate is uh, I agree I think uh, David Deya overall statistically has been average but the quality of pace that he pulled off at times uh, at crucial junctures even over the past say, four seasons five seasons have been very important in terms of points and maybe even qualification spots so uh, whereas your Dean Henderson doesn't commit as many errors that leads to goal is consistent with your normal pace which don't have as high an xg uh, so it's a question of whether you want someone who is genuinely very good at all times or someone who's extraordinarily good at some times and is just bang average at most times yeah but if so, you look at dagaya you know you, these extraordinary saves that you're saying it's like it's becoming more and more of a rare uh, rare occurrence i would say uh, no earlier in a season you used to have this at least four to five games where you used to be you know on a different plane altogether where there were five or six great saves uh, in a match i think now that's becoming like few and far between uh, i can't remember any big like such you know performance this season yes there will be obviously there would be one or two very good saves that he will keep on making on the balance of it i don't know whether it still makes sense to stick with him 
I I mean I concur with what you guys are saying, but I'm just saying the practicality of the situation currently. Yeah, yeah, that's a and separate point seen, altogether. Yes. Yeah, and I think we see we we've seen Ole's comments also. Ole is also still sold on De Gea. He's not gonna like throw him under the bus so soon. No, Ole is not he, going to throw anybody under the bus. See, that's another thing about his management. Right? He, I mean, you look at Chris Smalling and you look at. Sanchez, Lukaku, all the players that he's got rid of, I don't think he's ever spoken a bad word about them in the press, and I think that's the right way to go about it. Uh, even if it's Pogba or anybody else, uh, he would want probably to uh, even if he wants to sell him or whatever, he's not going to come in the press and say that uh, say any negative things about him. So I would question your statement whether he's still. Sold on Dagay or not, he will always act as if he is. But let's see, He'll, it will be more clearer in his actions going forward. Yeah, I think I think Dagay is back now from a small break. Yeah. I think we I think we're going to see him uh, back uh, between the six, and I think he's going to start majority of the games. I think that should be a clear indication. And if he does well, and I hope he does for United's sake. And for United's cause, but uh, I think if that happens, I don't see him not sticking around next season. And I think that it's that the time is going to come where Henderson will have to take a call whether he's okay still being an understudy to David De Gea, getting playing say maybe 20, 25, 30 percent of the games come next season as well, or does he really want to start every game in and out for United? Because uh, I mean that I mean he's done well. But I don't think uh, he's still ready to be a full-time United goalkeeper. Maybe I'll give De Gea maybe just one more season. Maybe just next season. And then I'll probably think of Henderson. Because Henderson is still, I think, 22, 23. So, he has a long way to go still. I mean, let him have this Europa League experience. Let him have a bit of the Champions League experience. He's already uh, been uh, our goalkeeper now for the, for the Manchester derby. And I think uh, his performance has been good. Yes, that one small blip in the AC Milan game, but overall he's been good. But uh, I still feel there's still time for him, and I think we'll have one more season of De Gea. Yeah, the happiest man right now is uh, Pickford, so he still gets to retain uh, his England spot. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, he's uh, come good of late, though. He's gotten better. He's making sharp saves now. Yeah, but there's that streak of. Uh, I mean that 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 error prone streak that he still has. So I mean, yeah, I mean Pickford between the sticks is not something that excites me. I don't know how uh, he's the number one goalkeeper for England. Beats me, but then that's England. Yeah, I mean whoever plays in the sticks for us, I hope they're up to it because if you see, it does seem that you know our season now is at an inflection point. Uh, next, I mean after we play West Ham today, we. I have Milan in the Europa League and Leicester, I think, in the FA Cup. Uh, it's it's very very much possible that in a week's time, you know, we might be out of two cup competitions. I'm thinking about a worst case scenario, and you know, like it's happened so many times after Ferguson left that by March April the season like completely like peters off and we are left playing playing for hardly anything. So that you know, Milan game and the cup game against Leicester, I guess, very important games going forward. 
I absolutely agree. And uh, I mean, the one thing which I want to see in the West Ham game and the Cup game coming forward is, uh, I think, uh, I mean, a bit more forward intent, forward drive. And I think we've been too inconsistent. I mean, the thing that I was looking forward to the most after the City game, because I thoroughly enjoyed watching those 90 minutes, believe you me, was, uh, I mean, how we how are we going to approach the Milan game? And I think the way we started off that first half, I think was an absolute shocker. We just, I think we were absolutely poor in that first 20 minutes where we should have been 2-0 down. But we got lucky. But uh, I think... Uh, we need to, I mean, we need to be more, more proactive. I mean, here's another interesting stat for you guys. I think uh, in our build-up play, when we talk of uh, attacking play and forward passes, I think we've not, we've not had one instance where we've created a genuine open play chance through, say, through balls this entire season. And despite yeah, saying, yeah. through ball to Rashford with the finish, don't you remember? No. Which one? West Ham last time. Good. It was so beautiful. I don't think that was a... No, I, I, I can't recollect that. I really can't. No, no, obviously. Okay. I I mean, maybe the it would the instances would be few and far between, but yeah, I do recollect, uh, you know, a few few of them. But yeah, you, you make your point, you were saying something. I mean, for me, I think, I think there's there's just not there's just not enough intent, enough drive. I think sometimes, I mean, here's where I'd like to again come back. I think uh, to the McTominay Fred point, I think that those are two players who are just performing the role of one defensive midfielder. What we need right now for the upcoming season, for the next season, is, I mean, a Kante, a beast like Kante, or. Uh, Maybe even the Fernandinho types. I mean, I think we are badly missing that. I mean, Fred and McTominay have their individual qualities. I mean, together they've uh, shielded the back four really well in some of the big games. And uh, that tactic has worked. But uh, I think if we have uh, title ambitions and challenging for other cups and even competing in the Champions League, I don't think McTominay and Fred is the answer to, uh, like, you know, our ambitions. Winning trophies. So I, I think, think we uh, need an upgrade in that department. We need we need a world class uh, defensive uh, midfield who can be the screen for the back four, which will then possibly allow us to kind of keep switching between Pogba, Bruno Fernandes, and Van der Beek. But I just think McTominay and Fred right now, both of them together, are kind of like you know blocking the pathway for someone like uh, Van der Beek, who I feel is a good signing and if integrated well into the squad, he can be a player to look forward to. So, uh, here is why I think uh, the problem with the team right now is I don't think we have too many players right now who can hold on to the ball and spend more than three seconds on it. You take Fred, you take yeah, McTominay, you take uh, yeah, Daniel James, or Greenwood, especially against Milan. There's hardly anybody who can spend three seconds on the ball. You need someone to hold the pace of the game sometimes, release it at the right time. And I think that is what the problem is. That is what Pogba offered. And that upgrade that you're talking about, I think Fred and McTominay actually are the same kinds of players, essentially. They just 
need to be replacing each other and not other people i think we should rotate between the two of them on a regular basis they both have a unique set of abilities but both are essentially good runners um uh, i think someone like your fernandinho or your sabinho would be amazing i think they would be right for me excellent right for me uh yeah that is a wish list but absolutely yeah, so someone like that Declan Rice for me. Give give Lingard to West Ham. Sell 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 Lingard to them for twenty five thirty million. He's English. He's a number ten. Surely, I mean, he's moving to another Premier League team who is right now challenging for European positions, Champions League or Europa League, whichever way you want to look at it. Twenty five thirty million, nothing less than that. Pay um twenty five thirty for Lingard. Pay another fifty for Declan Rice. Get him. I think Declan Rice is what. this team needs he's young he's english i think uh, he's all the attributes all the qualities to i mean be a manchester united player i think uh, we should go for him this season i mean you think uh, ed woodward can get 30 million for jesse lingard i, I think that <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, maybe we can appoint uh, uh, Daniel Levy as a consultant for one of these. But I, I'm not sure. Uh, you no, know, Ed Woodward is a, will be able to you know pull this off. Uh, but yes, I agree with your point that we need somebody that like a Declan Rice. And uh, so the problem with our squad in these few years has been that we've had too many of these average above average players, like a Fred. Like maybe a Dan James, like maybe how a Mata has been now. Obviously, he was very good at one point of time, and uh, you know even uh, you know Ferguson's teams also used to have these kind of players, like a Darren Fletcher, like a Jisung Park, like a John O'Shea. But you know they, they were surrounded by ten, twelve really you know uh, really very good players. Not all of them world class, but they can challenge any team in Europe. but we've now had too many of these players which is why i mean i would be okay if we you know kind of give up on somebody like a fred and get in somebody like a declan rice or somebody else maybe it would be difficult to get him from west ham but uh just a, a player a similar player in his position uh that is how in the past we've built title winning teams we have given up on even you know club legends like uh, a phil neville like a nicky but when it became very clear that you know they have served their purpose in the team i think fred honestly has served his purpose in the team he is very good he's a very good player uh, you know for a team looking to get into europe maybe somebody like an everton or a aston villa but but no i don't think uh, for a club like united he should be or he can be used as a squad player mctominay on the other hand so uh, is a youth product and he's getting better and better he this season he's added a lot of you know goals also to his game which which is always special so obviously no uh, no no logic in giving up on him but yes both of them together are causing some problems so it is one of the you know biggest areas of improvement in the team that can happen going forward So I'm going to go on a rant here about Fred. 
I think he's one of the best midfielders in the world right now, potential wise. Oh my God, uh, that's unbelievable! I can't believe you just said that. Uh, okay, uh, what happened? United versus Chelsea. This is going to be three minutes long. I'm going to talk to myself. United Chelsea. Kante's pass accuracy was very low. All he did was interceptions. He muted Bruno Fernandez. He ran around the ground like it's nobody's business. That's all he did. He was offensively completely none. Uh, your Fred, I think he's an excellent leader of the game. I think after Matic and Maguire, if I had to vote for someone who's an excellent leader of the game, I would say Fred is. I think his closing down is of the third pass is bettered by nobody else. I think expecting that person for your fullback to make the pass to the centre midfielder and the centre midfielder to then make a pass to the centre attacking midfielder. You can see that Fred is already closing the centre attacking midfielder down. Earlier, I think in the past few years, I used to think of him as rash, that he's overcommitting. But now I see where that's coming from. Uh, I think he's Duracell. He's a very good uh, product endorsement for Duracell as well. He's just so energetic and always buzzing. Uh, did he? Okay, okay, okay Ruksha. Didn't he? Didn't he give give the ball away? I think what seven, eight times against City in the first half, which led to dangerous situations. Uh, literally the same thing Kante did against us. Literally the same thing. But Kante talked about so well because of what he did with Leicester and what he did with France. But I'm not kidding. I think Fred is a jewel. Uh, Pep Guardiola wanted him. And when you when Pep sounds out a player, technically you know he's supposed to be great. He's now almost press resistant to a certain extent. He runs around so much. He's a smart reader of the game. His passing range is limited. Shooting range is non-existent. But I think I think he's like, I think he's that perfect. If you had a three-man midfield, I think he'd be the perfect running player that you want alongside a defensive-minded player and some of you ventures ahead like the Wander Duke or Pogba. I'm still not sold on Fred. I mean, he's very good. Make no mistake about it. And, he's and, and in my favour, why I say McTominay is a squad player is because he plays centre-back so well for Scotland sometimes, it's not even funny. So I think he's the ideal squad player, like who can play centre midfield, centre back. You know he'll put in a diligent performance at your right back and under Kaka's ever injured. So I think he's a brilliant squad, young squad player to keep. He's like your Darren Fletcher or someone of the likes, basically. No, so my no, no, so I, I just answer this question for me. Tomorrow, if uh, Kante becomes available to uh, United, you buy Kante. Do you play? Uh, do you play Fred over Kante? I don't think so. Uh, I think what we've seen at Chelsea is the fact that I don't think Kante plays that well at the bottom of the bottom of a triangle of a midfield individually. I think he needs support, and I think we already have as many runners. Like, why would you buy a Kante when you have Fred and you have McTominay, who are both runners in your midfield, who both possess a complementary set of attributes? One is tall, can hit the ball well, is courageous to tackle. The other one is a good reader of the game, is cautious slightly, sometimes reckless, like against PSG, but overall cautious. Uh, I don't think you need a Kante here. I think what you need is someone like, I said, like a Fernandinho, Fabinho, or Declan Rice, or Sojo Busquets. Someone to just calm so, the game down, hold the ball, like a younger Matic, basically. So if so if we get Declan Rice, I know it's a, far, it's a long shot, but if we get Declan Rice, Obviously, I mean, like, I don't see Fred then getting a game. In fact, I feel if we, if we get someone like Declan Rice, I see uh, Pogba playing uh, alongside him 
I see, and if Pogba is not available, then I probably see Vanderbeek getting a chance. But uh, I don't see Fred or even McTominay making that starting eleven. Whereas right now, you know for a fact that uh, one of the two is guaranteed a start in this uh, United lineup. So I also think that uh, Solskjaer's preferred formation is 4-3-3. What we used to play with your message, Herrera and Pogba, I think that's his favorite formation. They're playing a 4-2-3-1 out of circumstances and the phenomenon called Bruno Fernandes. But I think his natural uh, inclination is towards the 4-3-3, where the midfield is able to control the flow of the game, essentially, and feed off the CD strikers or the wingers or whatever combination that you want to play or communicate. So, I mean, uh, yeah, uh, I think... Uh, probably it all depends on our priorities in the market right it, uh, otherwise this discussion might uh, if we don't sign a say a defensive midfielder and if we say lose matic in the summer then probably uh, we are stuck with this, the same uh, uh, players in central midfield uh, i think just one player to watch out for is james garner he's had a great start to uh, his life at nottingham forest they have not seen too much of him in person. Uh, obviously, I've read great stuff about him. Uh, not sure whether next season would be... maybe It might be too soon for him, but probably one to watch out for in the central midfield position uh, for the future. So, oh, before we wrap up, just small predictions from you guys about the two cup games. Uh, what do you think is going to happen in the Europa League and the FA Cup, is it going to be like well, last chance in the Cup, or you know, will we kind of get through both of them? I have a bad feeling about the uh, female on fixture, to be honest. I think they're out to prove a point. They're one of the youngest, most exciting, exciting teams in Europe right now. Uh, I think Leicester is going to be relatively easier, in my opinion, considering the depleted status of the squad and the fact that they're also going to be chasing FA Cup as hungrily as we are. So, and the top four finish as well. So, I think Leicester is going to be the easier of the two. I see us uh, now being uh, probably progressing from being semi-final chokers to final chokers. I think that would be a promotion, but I think that's what I believe is going to be the thing. So, I am going to stick my neck out and say we're going to continue our uh, uh, phenomenal away form. I think uh, I think we go to Milan and beat them. Yes, I know for a fact the last three on the last three occasions we have met AC Milan at the uh, at the stadium at their ground. We've lost all three. So history and statistics are obviously against us. But I somehow get the feeling. Uh, the approach is going to be a little bit different because of the scoreline, 1-1. And uh, I think if we get Cavani and if we, if we get Cavani, Martial, Rashford back in the fold by then, I think uh, we'll see a completely different setup. We'll see a different United. And uh, I definitely do think we'll uh, go one up over Leicester. So I am predicting we go through in both the competitions and I think we keep ourselves uh, alive for the top four and in all the cup competitions. Yeah, you said we've lost there on last three times, but uh, 
I mean that was a different AC Milan. It was a team of the Gattuso's and the Seedorf's of the world. I mean, uh, completely different. I, it, this is a Champions League uh, level match happening in the Europa League. Huh. The two teams which are second in their respective divisions, both playing really well. And uh, I don't know, is Zlatan back for this game? Possibly, might be. He has an outside chance. But uh, I, I still think he might be a major doubt for the game. And I hope he isn't back and he, is, he isn't punishing us. But no, uh, I would say, I I think, I'm kind of hoping that he plays. I think yeah. with the kind of game that he has now at this age, it suits perfectly, uh, you know, to the style that uh, uh, Maguire and Lindelof are very comfortable with. Uh, against City also, I think, Pep missed a chance by you know playing Jesus. It was very easy for uh, these guys to handle an out out and out number nine. It's when somebody is making runs behind them is where you know they always get caught out. So I'm kind of hoping that Ibra plays this game. No, I, I one thing I can assure you, if there's a set piece situation and if if Ibra is there, we're not winning that. We're certainly not winning that. No, obviously, you have to defend something, right? There will always be a... Ibra is a great player. So, he'll always carry a goal-scoring uh, threat. But, uh, you know, uh, I I personally feel that uh, our central defenders will do a good job on Ibra. Let's see. But overall, I agree yeah, with... I think they won't be able to... Yeah. Yeah, they won't be able to pass the ball around and change... Transition us smoothly with Ibra in the picture. I think it becomes a lot more easier for us. Uh, and like you said, Maguire is the best match for Ibrahimovic in the world today. You could think of strength wise at least. Yeah, but I, I, think, I, think, I think I think I think will have something to say about that. Uh, I think Kulubali still. I, I think Maguire is stronger. I think he's just heavier. Oh, give stronger. me a break! Have you seen that guy? Have you seen that guy? Have you uh, literally seen that guy? He's a beast. I agree, but I I, I don't know. I I'm, I guess I'm a bit biased. I mean, come on. If, you, if, if, if you've seen that guy play, if you've seen his clips, and if you've seen Maguire play, come on. Kulibali any day. I don't know. And like, will Kulibali be able to do what Maguire is being made to do? Literally I'm work sure in a set shot. I'm sure he'll be able to put right. in the goal which he missed. I mean, even but you think, can do that too. So are you good enough to replace Maguire? That's not the point. Oh, right? I mean, given an opportunity, why not? I don't know. The only player I'd replace Maguire with in the world today is uh, the Van Dyke, which got injured against Everton. That's the only player I'd take to replace Maguire. I don't think any other centre-back for me replacing Maguire in this United team considering the stability and the leadership it brings to the table as well. He probably needs a better partner. Yes, that's, that will fix a lot of our issues. Anyways, I, I, I kind of... go out and buy bulk in English, but yeah, yeah. yeah you were saying. Yeah. No, just to wrap up, I was saying I kind of agree with what Rushab said in terms of the prediction. I think Milan uh, at this stage, you know, with our form going away might it seems like a step too far I'm not feeling too confident but Leicester will also rotate I mean they have a lot of injuries they have a thinner squad so you know, we are much better place to 
beat them but uh, i think the milan game is a step too far i think the journey in the europa league might get cut short here only so all right that brings us to an end to this episode thanks guys for joining and uh, we'll get back again next month yeah uh, thanks so that's all